Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fit athlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about choosing between being a physical therapist, a PT assistant, or a personal trainer. We talk about quad strength after ACL reconstruction and isokinetic testing for overhead athletes and baseball players. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 8 of the Ask Mike Reinold Show. I'm here with Lenny Macrina, my partner champion, uh, director of PT here. I'm here with the Gabinator, Gabe Morgan from Armstrong Atlantic Coastal University of the South College. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. He's from Armstrong U- is it University. Yeah, so you say university. Every episode, we still can't. Get <laughs> well, welcome, welcome, Gabe. Um, we're back for another episode. Uh, I'm going to answer your questions. Um, so please, if if you have more questions, keep sending them our way. Uh, MikeReynold.com/slash/podcast or use the hashtag AskMikeReynold on Twitter, and uh, we'll get your episode. We'll get your uh, questions on the episode, hopefully. But Gabe, what do we got? Let's go. Question number one. First one comes from San Antonio, Texas. Robert asks, I'm a NASM fitness trainer, VA in education, prior military and 34 years old. I'm currently reattending college, taking prereqs, doing volunteer time at a PT clinic, and trying to pull up my GPA to apply to the DPT program. It's been way more challenging than I expected. I've looked into a PTA program, but I tend to not to get positive feedback on that. Any advice for aspiring PTs, and where do you see the future of physical therapy? as well as a trend of fitness training with functional fitness, corrective exercises, and, give, and giving stretch routines that may overlap with what a PT does. All right, so let's see. This is a question then from Robert from San Antonio. Um, good city. I like San Antonio. Um, but let's see. So Robert's a personal trainer. He's considering going to physical therapy school, maybe PTA school, right. or does he just continue being a personal trainer and start to, to blend uh, into the corrective exercise world? Um, heck, you want to start, Len? I mean, yeah, you get a, that's that's, a, that's a, a lot. lot. But I think it depends on the life you want to lead. I think I'd have to take a step back and... And dealing as a PT, I have a relatively normal schedule. So you can create an eight to five schedule, nine to six, whatever. I think when you're a personal trainer, it seems like the life is a little all over the place. You're gonna have your six o'clock till 10 o'clock appointments, and then you have like five hours off, and then you have your late afternoon evening appointments. If you're okay with having 12, 14 hour days, and probably making a, a decent amount of money, then I think that's something to consider, and a lot of people do that, and that's tremendous. I personally, I'm a PT, so I like the the normal eight to five, nine to six kind of world, and then I can supplement other things in other ways and have evening work if I wanted or any other thing. So I think taking a step back, um, 
and knowing what life you want, I think that's going to be even one big consideration. I don't know if you have anything else. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got. I think you got two things to consider. What, what do you want to do every day? I think right. that's part of it, and then also some of just the lifetime ramifications. So we're talking essentially. We're talking about either being a PT, a PTA, or a personal trainer, and you're going to be in. Uh, if you continue as a personal trainer, you'll you'll have no more accumulation of debt. If you're a PTA, you'll have a little bit, and if you're a PT, you'll have a, a little bit more. You'll have more than that. Uh, but then I think your salary potential changes as well. So I think you really have to consider that. Um, I, I think all three are fantastic professions. Um, I recommend anybody going to any of any of the three depending on their specific needs. Um, I, I think the future that I like is physical therapists that have an excellent strength and fitness background. So there's a lot of like strength coaches that are going back to PT school or you know personal trainers that are going back to PT school. And I, I think I like that. I think that makes you kind of the, the best of everything. Um, I would caution you for trying to be the personal trainer that fixes people um, I think you get some issues with your with your you know probably your practice act and whether you're, you're kind of blending that there but I would say you know it comes back to the corrective exercise bell curve that I, te- I tend to talk about you know you probably get lucky 20% of the time with your corrective exercises and, and help people uh, but the majority of time you're gonna probably do nothing and sometimes you're actually gonna even hurt people so if you just I always kind of like say it, if you just flip to like chapter 7 of some sort of corrective or mobility book and try to you know slap some exercises on somebody without a proper assessment or evaluation I, I think the majority of the time you end up hurting the person so um, I definitely don't recommend you know kind of going that approach I recommend you learning that but I recommend you collaborating with the right professionals to, to kind of do that together so I don't know if that helped you in, yeah, in any way I, mean, but. I definitely agree and it's gonna I don't know your personal situation Robert but you know how long is it gonna take you to get your GPA up and then can you afford the debt can you afford the two to three years of of time spent in PT school, then you get, then you accrue all that debt. That's all. That's all big things. You know, you marry, you have children. There's so many things to consider in that. So I can't really help with that. But I think uh, investing in yourself, either as a personal trainer and taking courses, or investing in yourself and going to PT or PTA school, it's an investment in yourself, and that's always a positive investment. Nice. All right, Gabe. What do we got? What's number two? Next question comes from Susanna from Chile. In my own experience treating ACL patients, treatment goes well initially when regaining range of motion, basic strength, controlling inflammation, and basic balance. The patient progresses fine to running but has no pain during daily living, can do every hard exercise fine, but somehow, even nine to ten months out, the same patient who religiously followed a program still sees a significant loss of mass. With heavy squats, you can see a quad avoidance pattern on the affected side, and a unilateral knee extension still shows a significant strength difference even after hard work at 10 months. My question is, how can I better facilitate strength slash hypertrophy for faster increases in muscle mass, specifically in the quads, and is the quad avoidance pattern a, and is the quad avoidance pattern a neuromuscular pathway problem? Big question. Uh, we got some long ones today. Yeah. Um, let's try to get shorter questions, maybe. <laughs> but all right. So some Suzanne Good from, question, from Chile. Yeah. So, so yeah, ACL patients that essentially have uh, prolonged quad weakness. So I think the literature shows that even at a year out, and there's some studies you can probably find three months, six months, twelve months out that you have quad deficits down there. Even if you feel normal, even if you've completely returned to functional activities and even sports, you tend to have quad deficits. Um, I do know there's also studies that show that for some reason this is more um, noticeable in women than men. Um, And I do know... um, 
I, I, I do know that there's ways that we can kind of beat that. So the studies, I think, in my head that I know of, there's two main things that can minimize that that I know have been proven in the research. One is a good preoperative rehab program. So if you do four weeks of a pre-op rehab program, this has been shown in, in recent literature, I think in the last couple of years in a in pretty good journal. I forget, I don't know the reference on the top of my head. But in the last couple of years, um, if you do four weeks of a pre-op program, you, I think you had about um, 10% more strength. Or I, uh, Let me rephrase that. You had uh, 10% less loss of quadricep strength when they measured it down the road at three or six months or something like that. So getting your preoperative strength um, um, back uh, early, I think, is a good one. And then two is obviously, I think, what you know we've learned from many great research projects, like from Lynn Snyder-Mackler and uh, Terry Shimoleski and a, you know, a bunch of authors in the past have showed us that neuromuscular stim uh, in the early phases of ACL rehab has been shown to, to get that quad back faster. So I guess two things you can do early on is pre-op strength, make sure you maximize it, and neuromuscular stim uh, immediately afterwards. I'm add one more, I'm going to add a third one. You talk about a quad avoidance gate, which to me means they are still not getting terminal knee extension, which means they don't have full knee hyperextension. And she said that, right, Gabe? Like she said, she said not quite hyperextension. Okay, yeah. So if they don't get normal hyperextension in the knee after an ACL, which we're seeing that a lot, I get a lot of people a year, two years out that still don't have full hyperextension. That's the problem. The quads funk, the quads need that hyperextension to to get that amount of force production that they need for maybe doing a deep squat. But if they still have a quad avoidance gate and they don't have full hyperextension, normal to the other side, numerous studies have shown, if you look up uh, Donald Shelbourne out of Indianapolis, he has a, a, a countless studies that show that outcomes are highly influenced by hyperextension in the knee. So that's something to consider too. And I think the nine, 10 months out of surgery, I think it's still early to make a decision uh, that, that that's the quad that they're gonna end up with. I think this is a 12 to 18 month process to really get the quads back to normal function, despite us getting our kids back six, eight months out of the surgery. I think it's still early to, so I think loading it is a good thing, but they gotta have good base and good range of motion, um, and then you can really, you know, come to a conclusion that, oh, oh boy, this is what we're gonna end up with. I think it's still too early. Yeah, and in the physical therapy world, again, I think sometimes we're not great at restoring functional strength or or integrating strength and conditioning principles. Once you get to like three, four months down the road, I mean, they should be doing a pretty, kind of pretty good strength and conditioning program. So if, if you're still having them do rehab-based exercises and machine-based things, I, I think that's not in our best interest too. I think you know we need to redo a study where we have kind of a more modernized uh, strength and conditioning program as well. So um, either you know you know as the PTs you got to learn this stuff. So I have a bunch of inner circle webinars on on how we do that and how we do some periodization, how some of these principles and those types of things. Uh, but you know if not, you, you got to find someone you can collaborate with. Yeah. You know it's not just about rehab exercises; it's about getting them back to strength and Definitely conditioning. Definitely collaboration because as PTs we lose them because of insurance at three four months. And so we never really see them see it play out. So they end up going somewhere else or doing some paying out of pocket. So maybe not in Chile. We don't know in Chile. Maybe not in Chile. In Chile. Bad, but, yeah. yeah. But Gabe, what do we got with number three? Next one comes from David from Walnut Creek. Does your staff utilize isokinetic testing and making decisions regarding startup interval throwing program, i.e., shoulder external or internal rotation? Thank you. Nice. All right. Good one. We got a, a quick question. I like that one. Thanks. Dave, was it Dave? David. David, David, sorry. All right, good question, Dave. So, geez, uh, so isokinetic strengthening. So um, I haven't used an isokinetic machine in... 
how many years? 14 years, maybe? I'm trying to think. Did we even use it then? For probably thir four, 13 years or so, we haven't used isokinetic. Um, those big, huge machines, uh, take so much time to set up and stuff like that. Um, I, I think they give you good data, but um, for years, I mean, for, for you know decades, we did a bunch of research on isokinetic profiles of our overhead athletes. We've done um, handheld dynamometers. We've actually done some comparative studies with handheld dynamometers and even just standard manual muscle testing um, to kind of put these things together. And I feel like we have a we have a good enough basis of just using our hands or even a handheld dynam a dynamometer to know if they can start throwing. Um, I, I, if you have an isokinetic machine and you have the time and luxury to do it, I, I'd say absolutely go nuts. But I d it's definitely not mandatory. I personally haven't done it for years. Um, I mean, there, there there's just a lot of challenging things for them. So I think they've kind of fallen out of grace. I don't I don't think we necessarily kind of need them in there. Um, you can get the same ratios that you can find, and, and if you don't know. The, you know the ratios for overhead athletes, baseball players. We've published all these findings. So you know, between myself and Kevin Wilk and some of the publications that Lenny's been involved with, we've published a bunch of these things where we showed the profiles of isokinetics and and hand, we've done handheld dynamometer, right? Have we published that? Uh, yeah, I'm sure we have. Probably. I feel like. I feel like. But it doesn't matter. I mean, you can use the isokinetic profiles, and if you know like ERIR ratio is about 67 percent or something, you can just use that with a handheld dynamometer. So. Now you have a little teeny device. It costs maybe five hundred bucks, and you know it's a good little thing. But you know, otherwise, I mean, you can certainly use your hand. And if, if you can't, you know, if you can't break them, they're ready to throw. I mean, I hate to be that simplistic, but I, th I really think that's all you need. So um, I definitely don't think you need it. If you have it, go nuts. But otherwise, I think there's plenty of other things you can do and, and, and get by. And we don't do it, so I don't know if that helps you. I agree. So awesome. All right, well, thanks, guys. Uh, episode eight in the books of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Um, ask us some more questions. We need your help. Uh, MikeReynolds.com slash podcast. Um, use the hashtag AskMikeReynolds on Twitter. And um, hopefully we get some more cool questions, and we'll keep answering them. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeReynolds.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.